Hi, I'm Todd Nathanson. And I'm Danny Ross. And with us today, one C. Robert Cargill. You may know him as the screenwriter for Sinister, for Doctor Strange, or as a novelist in his own right, or as a critic, previously a, a movie critic for Ain't It Cool News. He's a real hope for all of us critics that we might someday do something good and interesting with our lives. <laughs> you won't. Hi, everybody. Thank you guys for having me. Thank you for agreeing to be on the show, uh, Mr. Cargill, sir. Um, <laughs> everybody just calls me Cargill. Let's just go with that. Okay. Well, since we had uh, you, our big name celebrity on the show, we decided we we're going to go big this, uh, this week with our uh, song versus song. This week, we are doing one of the big ones. This is like the kind of thing that this show was invented to cover. We are doing Everybody, parentheses, Backstreet's Back by the Backstreet Boys versus Bye 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 by NSYNC. Where do you guys stand in the BSB versus NSYNC wars of 1999-ish? <laughs> uh, that's a good question. I See, to me, um, the real question uh, since I think we're all kind of within a, a four-year span of each other age-wise, um, is when these bands came around the first time in the late 90s, did any of us like them or were we haters? Oh, I was absolutely a hater. Um, uh, these were dark times. I mean, they really <laughs> were. There's, there's like four movements of music in the 90s. And um, and and it's a weird thing where the 90s are flanked by these two bad periods of time. You know, the 90s kicked off with radio being afraid of how aggressive rap music had become. So we got this really sanitized, squeaky clean rap that gave us, you know, uh, MC Hammer and uh, and and Vanilla Ice and a bunch of much lesser people. We right. don't remember yeah, culminating but- in snow. Um, and and then we get to the other side and TRL happens and TRL all of a sudden puts the the teenage girls of America in the driver's seat to what everyone's listening to. And then music just went off the rails like you had in between there. You had grunge and then you had the post grunge movement that was driven by the um, the creation of the alternative station. Um, and, uh, you had this weird gold rush of three years where all this crazy cool music was coming out and it was very eclectic. And then TRL happened. And all of a sudden, even the alternative station was playing like blink 182. Um, like that's what was being considered alternative in the late nineties and creed. Um, I mean, the fact the alternative stations played with arms wide open was, it was a bad, bad time to be a music lover. And, this the the thing is is that I think Backstreet Boys and NSYNC get a lot of unfair hate for the fact that what everyone was sick of was there were thirty bands like this out there, um, you know there was ninety eight degrees there was Mandy Moore there was Pink in an era the era was so bad two years later Pink felt she had to reinvent herself and put out a reinvention album. Oh right, I was I was about to defend. Well, it Pink. wasn't so much that she reinvented herself. That wasn't so that first album that she put out. Interestingly, is not what she wanted to do in the first place. She was forced to make mm-hmm. that record. And then she was able to make after that sort of music was starting to fall to the wayside. They let her uh, have a little more control. Uh, let me say that I, as you know, I w- how old was I? Like f- I was like in ninth grade or something when all this stuff was happening. I was only just starting to become aware of popular music because I w- had kind of an isolated childhood, and I understood that I was supposed to hate this stuff, so I did. But I didn't. I actually don't remember having a very strong opinion about it. But if you ask me, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. Instinct, 
Backstreet's gay and all that shit. It was the 90s. Well, yeah, and not only that, but I, again, I, I suppose it's it's an age thing, but I know why. Um, so uh, Backstreet Boys, the first album, the album that um, uh, didn't even come out in America first, was released on May 6th, 1996. And that was my 16th birthday. <laughs> so it was like, that was like my sweet 16 present. And uh, in the words of our people, they could keep it. I definitely was in a high school band at the time. Uh, we definitely, you know what else came out in 1996? Evil fucking Empire by Rage mm-hmm. Against the Machine. That's what I was listening to. And I was listening to all the stuff that had come before that. You know, uh, you know, 1996 was the time that, you know, I think people still... I listened to uh, a lot of like Metallica and I was still listening to Nirvana and Alice in Chains and, you know, a million other of these things. This is like long before uh, Lars Ulrich got into a, a battle with Napster and, and sided with the man. And then all of a sudden we didn't like Metallica anymore. You know, like I was still listening to that stuff. You know, my friends would be like, listen to Master of Puppets. And I would listen to Master of Puppets and I'd be like, wow, this is just the theme song from Doom. <laughs> and that's great. So that's what I wanted. And I think being in a band and having dreams of being famous for making loud, angry white boy music, these guys were like a threat. Oh, yeah. Their their popularity was menacing. (laughs) It's weird because, okay, what I'm gathering from both what you guys are both saying is that we are exactly the wrong people to be discussing Backstreet Boys versus NSYNC. We were part of the Backstreet Boys and NSYNC versus good music war and we were not in the civil war of this like these were the original stan wars backstreet boys versus in sync well that's the thing is there wasn't a lot of communication so so what you could say is what we've got here is failure to <laughs> anyway the point is uh you know i it, my second question to you is by the time this pop era was ending uh, which is a lot closer to when Bye 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 came out, would have been a year later. Like pretty much uh, when when pop came out, we knew it was over. Um, that was that was kind of the death knell. Had at any point during that period in time, your mind changed? Had you softened on them? And if no, was there ever a point in which all of a sudden you were like, this is fine. I can listen to this and enjoy it. Oh, I absolutely, you know, uh, towards the end, you know, there was a certain embracing of it and understanding because there was actually some very real uh, artistry to the pop underneath it. And if you were listening to it, you could hear that there was some great stuff going on. Of course, that would turn out to be, you know, like Max Martin. So you kind of saw that. But the problem with them was entirely the thing everyone hated about them was the madness surrounding them. And the fact that the they had a Beatles level of madness surrounding them without a Beatles level of music to go with it. <laughs> no, yeah. That was a problem. And that was annoying because you would turn on the radio and you couldn't get away from it. Um, you know, both of these uh, both both songs we're talking about, like broke records, um, you know, uh, at the time and stuck ar- there. The, the music of these two bands stuck around at the top of the charts. Um, and you just couldn't get away from them. And that was irritating. But once you had gotten away from them, those sticky hooks got in your head. I noticed about 10 years ago that um, that these songs were going to have a long life when people started doing them at karaoke and the entire room would sing along. 
And both of these songs are songs that I have performed at karaoke with friends where it'll be, you know, you can't do it alone. It's you and four other guys all get up and your friends grab you and go, come on, we're, we're, we're doing bye, bye, bye. And it's like, all right, let's do it. And you have fun doing it. And it's fun sing-along songs and they're, they're stuff that everyone can kind of enjoy. And I think that that retroactively has improved both of these bands' reputations. Well, you, Dan, did you ever, did you, when did you become okay with boy bands? Um, great question. Um, whoever asked that question was, was, was a genius. But, um, <laughs> so I would say, I, I think it took me longer to soften to NSYNC, but um, the Backstreet Boys, who I, man, I could not stand them in the beginning. Quit playing games with my heart. And as long as you love me, even to this day, going back and listening to those songs, I still don't think much of them, uh, no matter how much time passes. But the music video for everybody, Backstreet's Back, uh, I will say, and Cargill, I expect you to have some thoughts on this, is uh, one of the best horror movies of the late 90s. (laughs) A dubious honor. <laughs> All of that is correct. Um, <laughs> horror in the late '90s is really, really bad, and I can do I can do several hours of material on that. <laughs> uh, but no, that, I mean it's it's directed by Joseph Kahn, who would yeah. go on to be one of the great music video directors, and would direct two uh, would direct three films. One of them hilariously bad, uh, Torque, but also clearly intentional. Um, and, and he's admitted such later that they gave him a movie, and he's like, they wanted me to make. Um, uh, Fast and the Furious, and I wanted to parody Fast and the Furious. And so he did. Um, and then went on to make a brilliant film two years ago called Bodied, um, which is just fucking amazing. And um, uh, uh, a, a real piece of art. Have either of you seen Bodied? No. no, I haven't seen it. Okay, it's 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 on YouTube. It was one of their YouTube movies. Absolutely watch this movie. It is It's all about battle rapping. But at the same time, it's literally about racism and social justice uh, arguments. And it's all about a guy who is very well intentioned, who gets caught in the center of a social justice thing. And that was all about Joseph Kahn's experience doing that when he made that Taylor Swift video that caused a lot of stir. Uh, uh, yeah. stir. But man, that initial video, that's the one where people really noticed Joseph Kahn and went, wow, this guy's really talented. It's a fun video. And what I like about it is that it, you know, looking back on it, this was this was their idea too. the band were on like a a flight somewhere in the midst of a tour and had come up with this as a concept. And then Khan kind of came in and and filled it and made it happen. But, you know, the studios weren't they didn't want to do it. They really pushed for it. And yeah, I mean, it's I think at one point part of the idea was that they wanted to sort of send up a thriller a little bit. But to me, it, it doesn't feel like that at all. It definitely doesn't feel like a parody. It feels like a love song to that. And also, you know, having grown up being a Universal Monsters lover as a kid and and loving Abbott and Costello, uh, meeting all those characters, that's what it evoked to me and I'm sure to, to most people who checked it out. So, yeah, like comparing that with what was coming out of of horror movies in the late nineties, which I I've also softened on over the years, but certainly at the time fucking hated. I was so mad. I really like, you know, you grew, you grew up watching seventies horror movies and you grew up during the entirety of the, the eighties era of horror and nineties horror at the time is just going to feel like 
just you know you're like this is not my horror you know like i felt like a, like i was immediately middle-aged even by the 90s as far as that genre was concerned but yeah like they dropped that music video and i was like this is every this is like the fucking monster mash of everything that i want so it really changed my outlook on them very quickly i was like that 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 video is like i guess it's it's kind of funny but i was i never i didn't really make my peace with I, uh, you know, Backstreet Boys or NSYNC. I didn't make, with or with, I think around the time we all kind of agreed that pop music was actually kind of good. I, which was, that was like a slow roll in the 2000s when uh, we all kind of shed that. Well, let me ask. We haven't asked the, answered this question yet. Which is the better song? Oh, Bye Bye Bye. We got one vote for Bye Bye Bye. Wow. So I had, I had come ready to take the side of Bye 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 because I know what you're going to say, Todd, because mm-hmm. it's not bye, bye, bye. Um, I've met you and I know the answer to this question. Uh, so um, I was prepared. So, you know, I may be the referee because I, I see good things about both of them. So I abstain. Todd, I'm assuming that you're going to go for for everybody Backstreet's back. Am I right? Well, um, you know, like I said, you know, I, I hated them both at the time. Uh, I I grew to love everybody's Backstreet back. But NSYNC sucked then and they suck now. I I no, I have no <laughs> fond memories of NSYNC. I don't like any of their songs. I don't think they're a good band. I, I don't get it. They still hit hit the button. Like you, you remember like when Justin Bieber popped out when he was still like a, a like a ten year old and he was, you know, rapping about how good he was going to be to you, Shoddy. Like NSYNC still hits that button for me, even like twenty years later. I just do not see the appeal. Like you guys look like fucking idiots. <laughs> <laughs> I always felt like, you know, the thing about Backstreet Boys is I, for all the stuff that was happening behind the scenes, they didn't have that Justin and Brittany TRL romance, like always in the, in the light drama of stuff that is none of my fucking business and I don't care. And I always felt like that had a bit of a stain for me with NSYNC because I, you know, was told that I should care about this. And I don't, I didn't then. And I definitely know it's none of my fucking business as a 40 year old. I have, I have strong opinions on this uh, because first of all, I'm a big Max Martin fan. So of course, Max Martin uh, wrote everybody and it's, I think it's his first big hit. I think it's his first number one. Um, and uh, uh, I just like him as a producer. I like what he does. He, uh, I would describe him to people as, you know, the thing with him is he's, you know, those bands you hate, but they have that one song that's sticky that you actually secretly like Max Martin wrote that and he wrote that for everybody. You know, that Katy Perry song you like. Yeah, he wrote that. The Britney Spears song you like. He wrote that. Like when you say you're like a Max Martin fan, that's like <laughs> saying you're a, a fan of like major chords. Like, yes, you have to be because he, yeah. <laughs> he owns like so much of the, the market, like so many things came from his pen. Yeah. Yeah. And so, but like 23 number one songs and I hate only two of them. Um, (laughs) But so that's, you know, musically, I think um, there's a lot to say about everybody, but the problem with Max Martin is that Max Martin's English isn't good. And so Max Martin will write down what he thinks the basic feel of the lyric should be. And then you are expected to then go and translate it and make the lyrics yours. And the Backstreet Boys refused to do that, which is why so many of their songs like this one are non sequiturs. Like they're just saying words, um, you know, everything in the lyrics here uh, are is meaningless. 
Um, you know, he's asking, am I sexual? What the, what the <laughs> hell does that mean? Am I sexual? I, I don't know, dude. That's not my business. Um, whereas, you know, you look at what NSYNC was doing. Bye, bye, bye is literally they had just gotten out from under the boot of Lou Pearlman. They Lou Pearlman had totally screwed them over. Um, they they were some of the biggest stars in the world, and they were literally paid twenty five thousand dollars a piece for having toured for a year. And they were like, wait, wait, what? He Lou Pearlman butt fucked them. And um, and so they finally legally got out and Bye 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 is a disguised as a love song, but it's a huge fuck you to this dark time in their life. Uh, in fact, the whole thing about No Strings Attached, the video itself, the video is about them being cut loose from this guy who is controlling their lives for five years. And so I think there's just so much soul and heart to what they're saying that that really connects with me. And then I also just really love the, the tremendous, just the, the tremendous underlying like base to the bye, bye, bye. Like you can feel the part exactly where you're supposed to like jump twice. Like you could just feel that in the music. And bom, I've bom. always, yes, the <laughs> bomb bomb, like, you know, like that there's just such a power there and there's not a moment like that in everybody. And so that's why I lean very heavily towards bye, bye, bye. You know, you say the thing about Max Martin's stuff not really making a lot of sense. A lot of Max Martin's philosophy, like, kind of unlocked for me when I heard the part where he doesn't write the song with, like, a theme in mind. He writes the melody, and then he writes what he feels would fit in, like, each individual line. And they don't necessarily have to connect or really make a whole lot of sense. I've heard it described as kind of oasis-y. In that, like, Wonderwall just is like a whole bunch of phrases that don't really seem to mean a whole lot separately. But, like, as a whole, as part of a, a whole song, it just kills. And I think what's interesting about that is that uh, you, you say Oasis, but the idea of of not thinking so much about the words, but the way that the words sound in the context of the song is um, is very Michael Jackson. That was how Michael Jackson wrote a lot of music. Um, he wasn't really interested in necessarily what the words actually met, meant. He was more interested in what it sounded like they meant in the context of the song. Leaving everything obvious about Michael Jackson aside, uh, he was <laughs> for a very long time considered to be the king of pop. So perhaps there is something to this particular methodology of songwriting. As a quick little aside, have you guys ever heard of the screenplay that's been floating around called Bubbles? Go on. And no, it's, but go on. It's literally about Bubbles the Chimp. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's told from his perspective and with narration in his head. And Bubbles believes that since his dad is the king of pop, that makes him the prince of pop. And so he's constantly acting like royalty. And and it's it is it is worth tracking down. It is a bonkers, bonkers script that'll never get made. No, <laughs> I have I have a feeling that if it was going to be made, it's not going to be made now. But actually, I have heard of that. And yes, I would. I would like to live in a world where it had gotten made. and I'd love to watch it. You know, here's the thing about the boy bands is that even, you know, at the time they looked ridiculous to me. 20 years later, it's not gotten any, you know, cooler. It's gotten sillier. Yeah, but it was supposed but we were supposed to think it was cool at the time. Yeah. You know, I mean, I remember, uh, you know, watching like MTV Spring Break and stuff and like, 
you know, you'd have NSYNC out singing a song and then they'd have models come out from the ocean and then, you know, like their bodies would be soaked even if they were wearing cargo shorts. And then they'd walk along the platform with their double pierced nipples. It was just (laughs) a, it was a very strange time. um, And we were supposed to think that was cool. And I knew it wasn't then, but now we all know it isn't. It just doesn't matter anymore. Did you guys ever watch Making the Band when it was on? A little oh, bit. I think I watched a little bit of it, yeah. Me and my roommate were obsessed with it. It was, we watched it every Friday night on ABC when it came on. Because it was, it was literally one of those things that we were up, there was nothing on, um, you know, and it popped on and we're like, we were waiting for the next show. And we're like, let's watch this thing. And our jaws dropped watching. Because for those of you who don't, don't know, Making the Band was Lou Pearlman making his next band. It was O-Town, right? It was O-Town. And it was week in, week out, watching five young guys who were big dreamers getting train fucked on national television. There is a moment where they are, they have been selected. They've gone through the process. It was early in reality shows. So, you know, nobody really, there wasn't a true reality format yet. They've been selected. They're on their way to their first gig where they have brought in a bunch of girls who are told they're going to see a new band um, who have no idea who these guys are. And while they're on their way there, they're handed their contracts in the back of a limo and they're thumbing through their contracts. And one of the guys goes, oh, my God, guys, if we make 10 albums, we'll each get one hundred thousand (laughs) dollars. And it's at that moment that you're like, no. And I could not take my eyes off this thing. But so it was really interesting to watch that show because it really showed just how manufactured all of that was at the time. Like they were even manufacturing the boy, the, the whole Backstreet Boys versus NSYNC thing was manufactured by Lou Pearlman. Like there really wasn't a fan base arguing over it until they kind of started it. And then and the guys were not aware that that was going on. They were just, you know, two guys in two different they, they were guys in different bands. And so they started that to kind of create this competition to get fans to be very, you know, aggressive about pushing the thing. Every bit of everything you saw was completely manufactured. Sure. I mean, that's the reason why TRL existed. I mean, you mm-hmm. know, here all of a sudden they created a, a, a new version of the top 40 for an audience of people with Carson Daly where they actually successfully got them to give a shit. And then it became a competition. What are the best music videos this week? And thereby who is the, who's the best artist this week. And so you've got created this drama that gets to play out every week. And because I think think it was on every weekday. So like five times a week. Yeah, it was on constantly. And so there was this and, you know, and because they were producing by volume, it wasn't the quality didn't matter because the thing is, a lot of the time, you know, Carson was was measured or as measured as as a person can be in that circumstance. So they could just throw anybody at him and you'd have crazy things happen. You know what I mean? Like I remember Eminem going on there and being like, I know you don't fucking like my records, Carson, just admit it. And you're like, what? (laughs) So people would tune in because, you know, they had realized that, you know, if you put if you put musicians on these people are not trained to do this stuff, trained to dance, trained to be musicians. Yes. Trained to be good at interviews in, in the nineties. No friends, they weren't, they were not. And that was the goal. That was the, the magic of it. Um, by the way, I can't, I haven't thought about O-Town in a long time, but um, if you've <laughs> never seen uh, MTV and MTV's clone high, uh, there is an episode uh, of clone high that features angel from O-Town. And I think it was one of the contractual obligations 
that they had to have somebody from O-Town on this cartoon that aired on MTV. And they just, it's so hilarious. It's made by the guys that did um, uh, Into the Spider-Verse and the, and the Lego Yeah, Chris Miller and, and Phil Lord. Yeah, yeah. and it's, it's, it's an incredible, it's one of the funniest uh, cartoons I've ever seen in my life. And, and the way that they sort of filled that contractual obligation with Angel from O-Town is a real fucking gas. Yeah, that whole series is hilarious. If you've never seen it, you need to track that series down. It's 13 episodes and it's amazing. Yeah, I, I watched a whole ton of TRL like even not being into this kind of music, I watched TRL every day, just like everyone my age did. And I'm looking at the, like the number ones of the, you know, they have them like every single number one video they had week, you know, day by day. It's nothing but Backstreet Boys in sync, Backstreet Boys in sync, Backstreet Boys in sync, Backstreet Boys in sync. And then for a brief period at the end of February 1999, there is Freak on a Leash by Korn. And then it's <laughs> <laughs> then it's Backstreet Boys, Insync, Corn, Insync. Oh, it looks like oh, well, there's a weird period where Britney and 98 Degrees. Got, yeah, got well, that was so. So during that time was the time when they were doing all of the um, the stuff with Jessica Simpson and Nick Lachey, and they would like come on and sing together and stuff like that. So yeah. but I that re- was all part of the the equation. You know, it was designed to sort of promote them that they were all of a sudden on the list. My my favorite thing I ever saw on Total Request Live was Carson Daly asking their guests this week, like, who do you think, you know, is going to be number one this week, NSYNC or the Backstreet Boys? The, the two people he was interviewing were Brian Johnson and Angus Young of ACDC. <laughs> <laughs> Brian Johnson looks at him and says, who cares? And that was the end of the interview. <laughs> perfect but that's by design somebody told Carson he had to ask and Carson was like I don't want to do it and they were like just do it whatever they say is gold yeah it doesn't matter if they gave an if they actually gave an honest answer or not people would be riveted fascinated why wouldn't you but yeah I think so like here's the thing that's been on my mind as we talk about this and as I've gone back and, and, and visited these songs is that um my beef then and my remaining beef is that these were, I mean, like, not that this is new, but like, you know, this was um, mostly white guys, especially in the case of NSYNC, um, stealing black music. Because it's like, you know, this was like late 90s, but like I'd grown up listening to New Jack Swing, you know, in addition to other stuff that I liked. But like, I fucking loved New Jack Swing and I loved all those New Edition and Bill, Bill Bob DeVoe and, and, uh, and Boyz II Men and all those folks like that was great music. Like I, you know, like for all of the rock music I liked, I fucking knew that that stuff was quality. And, um, I feel like before everything prior to, um, everybody. And then I think more so, um, once you get to no strings attached and, and bye, 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 um, all that stuff, you listen to it and you're like, these are guys really unsuccessfully trying to do black music. And their voices just aren't there. They don't have the 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 talent. They don't the, their voices don't have that stretch, that athleticism to be able to do what it was that all of these previous artists had done so much fucking better. And it wasn't like then everybody came out and like I don't want to say that that's the blackest that Backstreet ever got, but like it's the most successful they were at trying to do that. It is as close as they ever got. And by the time you get to Bye Bye Bye, I actually don't think that they're trying to do that so much anymore. And I think that this style of pop has actually 
found its own identity. It may be influenced, but it doesn't feel purely like a ripoff to me. InSync's first album has a cover of Sailing by Christopher Cross. My, <laughs> it's my, weird. my point in bringing that up is that I never heard that. I never, like, I, I know that they were inspired by, like, the, the Boys to Men and stuff like that, but, like, they don't sound like a, they don't sound like a single bit like that to me. I have always thought, you know, they always seemed like a separate category to me. Well, Backstreet in particular, you know, their first big hits and NSYNC to a degree too, um, were these very ballady things at a time in which Boyz II Men had found its big hits doing ballads. You know, like it was, we were way past Motown Philly, you know, now it was like, I'll make love to you and like end of the road and all that stuff. And, and they did one sweet day with Mariah Carey, which was, which is contemporary with this stuff and was a massive fucking hit. I think that they, in the beginning were like, this is the type of black music we are going to steal. And the thing is, um, I'm, I'm, I'm sure that, that, that as we've gone on, uh, white people have gotten better at ripping off this type of music. But boy, um, we just didn't hire the type of singers that had the capacity to touch it. Like, it's just, I mean, like you listen to Boys to Men and listen to Backstreet Boys trying to do the same thing. And there's no fucking contest. Actually, I, you know, I, w- I will admit I, I threw on the Backstreet Boys first American album, like while I was writing the notes to this. And there are a couple parts where they are, in fact, trying to be Boys to Men. I did hear it. They were even doing like the spoken breakdowns, like, girl, you know, I need you and all that stuff that Boys to Men did so well. I was like, OK, yeah, now that I think about it. Yeah, I do hear that. Yeah, no, if you guys, uh, there's a really good documentary out there uh, called The Boy Band Con, which like goes into the creation of these groups. And it's fascinating because these really, the weird thing about this is, yeah, they were manufactured, but they were really scrappy. Like where they were drawing their talent from was just local people in Florida and trying to, you know, put together these bands to recreate the success of new kids on the block. And Perlman created a couple of them hoping that one of them would take. And as it turns out, two of them did. Um, And uh, but they were like, they're literally just, you know, high school kids and young adults like dancing in abandoned warehouses uh, for hours on end in, you know, 95 degree, 100 percent humidity, Florida, 98 (laughs) degree. uh, God damn it. Um, uh, Yeah, but but like they're literally guys who sweated their ass off for like three years before their first album came out. Um, and, uh, and it was so interesting to see how that happens, but yeah, no, I mean, when you're talking about that kind of talent pool, it wasn't some big national thing of putting these together. Like it was like with O-Town, they like tried to make it a much bigger thing, but yeah, the, you know, they got the talent. They got the fact that there's one superstar that came out of this entire 10 guys still astounds me. Um, and of course that's Timberlake, which that's, that's the thing with, I, I, I would, I would challenge you on Todd is that, you know, um, like as much as you don't like NSYNC's music and I'm, I'm certainly not going to defend it too terribly, but, but at least we got JT out of it. You know, it's a, a funny thing. I've noticed like at the time that, you know, this was something only, you know, teenage girls cared about. And then when we started to respect pop and we got Justin Timberlake who became like the biggest thing in the world that became like the de facto argument that InSync were in fact the superior band. But I feel like that's kind of lessened in, you know, recent years as Timberlake starts to become uncool again. Nowadays, I think like the Backstreet Boys are, you know, considered better than InSync. I mean, like everyone blows up when, you know, like at the end of This is the End, when they start playing everybody Backstreet's back, like the entire, you know, 
entire audience gets up, wants to dance to that. Versus- but that's kind of what happens, right? Like you, you, you know, like Justin Timberlake got big and and stayed big, and so in a way, he's there's still this association with NSYNC. So he has more recently kind of come down in popularity, and so all of a sudden, NSYNC comes down in popularity again. Meanwhile, Backstreet Boys has had like these sort of things that have happened that are part skill and part luck, right? Like you know, like. The Backstreet's Back plays at the end of This Is The End, a movie that people fucking love. And it's great. It's such a great ending to that movie. And 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 it renews interest in that song in particular. And then actually, uh, you know, uh, they, they did a, a tour with New Kids on the Block, uh, which was called NKOTBSB. And uh, you know what was smart about that is um, you put Backstreet Boys next to New Kids. Backstreet Boys going to look pretty good because New Kids suck <laughs> they're bad like sorry guys like and they were i the other reason why i was primed to not like boy bands in the late 90s is because i remember being a kid and new kids getting big and like i knew i didn't know much but i knew that that shit sucked i knew it then and i know it now <laughs> my sister was obsessed i i'm at that perfect age where my younger sister was completely obsessed with new kids on the block when they were big and her entire wall was plastered with images of them from tiger beat. And I will, I just, the way she would go, Danny, Danny, Joe, John Jordan is burned into the back of my brain. And yeah, it's terrible stuff. Yeah. So it really elevates them. Look, the best thing to come out of new kids is, is, is the weird out parody Oreo. And I think we all fucking know it. (laughs) (laughs) What's in the middle. White White stuff. Yeah. It's classic. Yeah, so beep. So anyway, Backstreet Boys. I think it was really smart. That's like you know when like you're an average looking person and you 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 pick some friends of yours that you know that you you really don't care and you're like let's go to a party and they they don't they phone it in and you dress really good so by comparison you look a little bit better and then all of a sudden the people that you're looking to to interest might actually have interest in you. I feel like that's what the Backstreet Boys did by touring with new kids. And if, if that's what it was, that was smart as fuck. Oh, well, I think that's, I think that's why Justin became the superstar of NSYNC because quite honestly, he was the, like one of only two good looking guys in that band. Mm. Backstreet how, Boys. How dare you? The Backstreet Boys was the better looking band. As a matter of fact, that's why I picked Backstreet Boys. Prettier. Prettier band. That's completely fair. <laughs> completely fair. And I mean, like, look, that's, that's why I was into all those 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 rock and metal bands. I mean, like, <laughs> let's. I mean, like at the time, I thought Kurt Cobain was cool, but looking back on it, I'm like, didn't I know he was hot? Because he was fucking hot. Um, there's no getting around to that fact. Yeah. But uh, I don't know why I took that joke and made it serious. But that's what <laughs> I fucking did. Uh, have you guys ever seen Dead Seven? No, I don't no. know what that is. Oh, oh, I am gonna. I am. I have just given you guys your Saturday night. Um, <laughs> It is, it, it's literally, it's one of those worst films ever made. Uh, it was made in 2016. It is a post-apocalyptic zombie Western starring all of the cast-offs from the boy bands. Oh, wow. Oh, I'm wow. looking at it. Like, yeah. I mean, we're talking, uh, uh, we're talking Nick Carter. Uh, we're talking Joey Fatone. We're talking AJ McLean, uh, Howie Doro. Like it's, it is. John Cicada. What the f- yeah you're looking at this now you're googling it and you're like wait wait what um and they did a it was one of the weirdest things i've ever seen they did the comic book uh convention tour and they took the movie around to comic book conventions 
And it was it was interesting to see this is why I brought it up was because, you know, there are a bunch of, you know, a, a bunch of comic nerds and, and movie nerds being like, what are they doing here? This is ridiculous. And then you would see the lines they would get of all the girls our age that had grown up uh, with this music. And all of a sudden they're meeting the guy, the guys they were in love with 20 years ago. And it was fascinating to see that kind of fan culture in um, uh, 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 in that set. Uh, but it is a movie. And when I say it is a movie, it is a movie. It is a movie. Is I it? believe it. Is it, it technically it's, in all the technical ways? So here's the, here's the thing that I want to introduce as a, as a, as a concept. Um, New Str- no Strings Attached is the top selling album of the 2000s. Well, that's um, because. Between 2000 and 2009. Yes. Well, wait. Just fucking wait for it. You got to let me get there. The reason for that is Napster and then everything that came after that. There were albums were not a thing after that. And the other thing that happened is that we transitioned. And I don't think like part of this is that you get older and you just care less about whether or not the music you're listening to is cool or not. And you're like, I don't I'm enjoying this. If you don't like it, fuck off. But um, but also um, as the concept of albums became less important and as the music industry had less control over what people were listening to we entered the 21st century which is an era of musical pluralism where there is no like one defining genre there is no no one thing that everybody's listening to and therefore there is there is no because like backstreet boys versus nsync is is a, ver- a versus in a way, but like everybody had that. The reason we didn't like those guys was because we liked rock and this was pop and fuck that shit. We're rock versus pop and rock all the way. Fuck pop. Um, and we don't have any of that shit now. That shit does not exist in, in the 21st century. Like we have people who stand, right? It's like stand culture. We have that now, but that's about as close as it gets. But people don't really like individual songs. Most people are just going on Spotify and going, oh, what's what's the list today? I'll check that out. That sounds good. What music do I feel nostalgic for? What like that's it? Like I, I just don't think we have that anymore. I, re- I, re- I wish we could go back. I wish we had could get someone in the in this room who remembers the Stan Wars of the you know the Backstreet Boys versus NSYNC, the big original Stan Wars because I don't remember anything like that happening before or since. Like I, I think. Oh yeah. Like, I don't think like Donny Osmond versus Sean Cassidy fans was a thing that was happening in the 70s. And no, but we did a few years before this. We had East versus West. Yeah, we had East Coast, West Coast. I mean, this was I mean, that was like the the two two sides hated each other. But this was like more of a fan thing that I'm talking about. Puffy fans weren't arguing with Tupac font fans on the on the on the interwebs not so much i mean there there was that kind of feeling at the time though that like you either listen to east coast or you listen to west coast like there was that kind of and that was being sold to us but then again the internet had just happened and you know uh even hardcore nerds like me weren't finding a lot of places to go and talk about music and movies and things like that 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 didn't really happen until about 2000 when you start getting places like pitchfork and ain't it cool news really rising to prominence uh and creating a place where we could all get together so i don't know if that would have happened the way that happened but that is a good point you you know the 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 stands it was not as big a deal well Well, it was certainly different the shape of it's completely different isn't it because like i don't you know like can you imagine a like a biggie is over party. <laughs> what a, you know what I mean? Like that's, that seems so an anathema. That seems so odd. And we really 
didn't like the closest we had to that actually is, you know, by, you know, I mentioned Metallica at the beginning and, and, you know, you could see like if Twitter existed back then, there would have been a Lars and, and Dre are over party over the Napster thing. And there, and because the internet existed, we sort of had the, the first tendrils of that type of stand culture that we have now. Yeah. But I mean, it's still, TRL it's still kind very of different that like the, the, the modern stands who, you know, go out and fight for your, uh, fight for your team even though like the 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 feud wasn't manufactured there were like commercials a couple years ago where like budweiser was putting things like like you don't drink those you know crappy you know foofy micro brew crap you drink real beer real macro beer and like it's like <laughs> it's a con because anheuser-busch is buying up all the little craft breweries so like eat whichever side you pick they win that's what lou perlman did with backstreet boys and nsync Get him, Todd. <laughs> <laughs> but also, th- on top of that, like, I, I've read some stuff from the Backstreet Boys that said that actually, yes, yes, we did kind of resent sync Because here we are thinking, we're like, we're, you know, we're the only ones around. Are we original? Yeah. And then sync shows up. It's like, no, no, you're not. They're, people can show up and do it just as good as you. sync did not feel the same way. They were like, oh, they're, they're the other guys. We're, you know, just... Brand B. I, I imagine that uh, Backstreet Boys must have fucking hated I Want You Back. Oh, yeah. That's a total ripoff of everybody Backstreet's back. You literally, how difficult could it be to make a mashup that's I Want You Backstreet's Back? All right. They're the same goddamn song. The riff they're is ex- so fucking similar. The riff is exactly the same. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, it's a little shorter. He's like, I Want You Back. I was dun, 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 dun. And everybody backs by those. And all we need is Vanilla Ice to come in and go, no, no, no. See, this is dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Ice uh, is back with a brand new invention. Wow. <laughs> Listen to that episode of Song vs. Song. Vanilla Ice versus MC Hammer. Cargill, you'll fucking hate it. <laughs> Dude. I mean, I could have put those two songs together, but oh, like you did. That was fair. Oh, oh dude, I the, the greatest bullet dodge of my life is I had tickets to go see Vanilla Ice and MC Hammer. And my parents ended up grounding me for some stupid reason and I couldn't go. And I'm so happy that I don't have that in my brain. In the sliding do- doors of your life, Carter. <laughs> There's an alternate universe where I just drink myself to sleep at night going, no, I dance to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you made whatever is the Cargill equivalent of goop in that universe. What a nightmare. That's terrible. Nobody wants to visit there, oh, yeah, the, let alone live in it. I know. You put the stone up your bum and, and it heals you. <laughs> anyway, excuse me. Pardon me. Right into the mic with that one. <laughs> Sorry, I tried to pull back. I actually just, my my lungs were at full capacity suddenly for the first time in many years. You've done it. You saved my lungs, Cargo. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. In these COVID times, that's no small feat. Um, so do you want to do three questions? You feel like we've we've said the things that we were going to say, that we can yeah. do the, the questions three? We've been talking for 45 minutes. We can do All three right. questions. So the three important questions that we ask, uh, these, these, so- these songs uh, help us understand uh, which mattered to the most? Which mattered the most to us in in a, in a compositional way, in a lyrical way, and in a historical context way? Uh, and of course, we asked these in the stupidest way possible. So uh, the first question: uh, One of these songs must be lost forever to time. Gotta go. 
They, you put it up in a plane, then it crash lands like so much du jour in Josie and the Pussycats, never to be seen again. That's right. <laughs> that's Reverend a reference. Josie I'm and the Pussycats. Back one of the, door lover. That's a that we, that's that's the winner of this matchup. By the way, is Backdoor Lover by Du Jour. Can I say uh, I I think Backdoor Lover kind of like that song kind of bangs. And I was like, it does that. Yes, absolutely. I it, actually it slaps and or whatever is the stuff that people say. It's a bop. I actually sing it every day. I uh, I have an alarm system that goes back door open and I <laughs> and and I always just every time it does that I go coming from behind with the lights down low <laughs> honestly watching that I finally understood why you know everyone liked the boy band so much at the time I was like I get this phenomenon now it's true ignoring the fact that it's a joke that you know I was like huh I, I get it I get it now and sync are totally jerkin uh, anyway, all right. So one of these, one of these must be lost to time, and the other one will live on in, in perpetuity for all time. Um, what is the song that has to stay? What must persist? It's it's got to be everybody Backstreet's back. Just like I don't think one is like more important than the other, so I'm just going to pick one that I like better. I'm I'm going to say it's everybody. Uh, as much as I think uh, uh, Bye 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 is the better song. Uh, if we lose everybody, we lose the end of this is the end. And that is <laughs> that is a singularly perfect ending to that movie. And that movie is so much fun. And I, I adore it so much that I, I could not lose that ending. Like when Backstreet shows up and everybody's dancing in heaven, it's like, oh, this is how this movie fucking ends. Um, so I, I that for that reason alone, I've got to I got to stand everybody. Man, I wonder if JT would have the career that he had, though, without Bye Bye Bye. Like, they have It's Gonna Be Me. Does is does It's Gonna Be Me hit as hard? If that had been the first single instead of Bye Bye Bye, what would have happened, I wonder? Um, and also, like, wow, we're really all standing for everybody. Uh, a song that it has, like, all this background, like... It's like saying, like, man, I really love that 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 canned laugh track on the sitcom. <laughs> it's the dis- uh, it's the disco call. I it really like. Ooh. Yeah. I I will say in everybody in the the ver- the extended version, the version that's in the video, that not the radio edit, uh, that that kind of clanging, that nice like clanging, dinging beat that opens up is really catchy. Yeah, what is that? What is that? Is that cowbell or? It doesn't sound like cowbell. It's it's it's. I think it's I think it's something out of the eight oh eight. Like it it sounds very much like it's an affected uh, eight oh eight uh, 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 thing because there's a whole range of those um, on there, and I don't imagine they actually used musicians for that album. I have to imagine it was entirely electronic, so it's probably one of the, and it's probably even a preset. It's interesting. I do wonder what would happen though. Like, how much would that song lose its juice if you took? all of the like sort of fanfare out of it. I wouldn't be as bad as like watching the end of star Wars without all the music, but like, would it, I feel like it would be less good. Like it needs the, like it requires it. Someone, someone in the comments posted a a link to uh, an edit. Someone made is like everybody backstreets back, but all the yes and all rights are really unenthusiastic. (laughs) <laughs> oh, I've heard that. It's great. Yes, it's like it's like watching the end of A New Hope without yeah. all the all the fanfare. Everybody. Yeah. Now I, wait a minute. <laughs> wait a minute. Now I want to see the end of A New Hope, but instead of the fanfare, it's everybody. Oh, see, no, we've already we I've already had that experience. Um, I grew up with the Star Wars movies 
and watched them religiously. And then I went to go see the extended versions. And at the end of Return of the Jedi, all of a sudden, Yub Nub is gone. Oh, and a nightmare. And Backstreet's Back is there. And yeah. it's Backstreet's Back. <laughs> I wish. All right. <laughs> it would be a huge upgrade uh, from what they actually put in there. Anyway, all right. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I can't decide on that one. I guess it's I guess it's Backstreet's Back. Although I do worry. I worry for you, JT. I worry for you, man. I don't want to <laughs> erase your career. So the second question is uh, maybe a little less interesting in this case, but uh, you can be a fly on the wall for the creation of, of, of one of these tunes. Uh, in this case, uh, we can extend to the music video because the music videos, we hardly talked about the bye, bye, bye music video and it fucking rules, but, um, nah, it's not very good. Oh, please. All right. Well, we can talk about it here then. This is this, <laughs> congratulations. We found the fucking spot for it. Yeah. Okay. So, um, you can be a fly on the wall for the creation of the song soup to nuts, including music video, which is the one you want to be there for. It's got to be Backstreet's Back, not only for the, the video, but I just want to see Nick Carter reading the lyrics and go, am I sexual? Yeah. Okay, I can. <laughs> I can do that. You know, I, I have a, a friend who had been raised by fundamentalists and like so she would sneak a Backstreet Boys CD, you know, hidden in the bottom of her drawer and listen to it. And then she'd feel so bad because she was a dirty sinner for listening to these filthy, filthy songs because she was so sheltered at the time. Am I sexual? Oh, scandalous. You know, sexual doesn't mean sexy, I notice. Like, do you reproduce? <laughs> yeah, well, this is what I'm talking about with Max Martin. Like, it's clear that he, like, wrote those lines hoping that they would turn them into something else. And instead, it's just nonsense. It's word salad. You know, like... That's your reason for picking Bye Bye Bye, and that is also my reason for picking Backstreet's Back. Like, I don't want my boy bands to have meaning behind them. Like, Bye Bye Bye, like, I can't imagine listening to that when I'm, like, in that situation where I'm angry in an angry breakup or something. But I can listen to Backstreet's Back in any situation whatsoever. But anyway, we were, uh, we were talking, like, which would you want to see uh, filmed? Well, yeah. Well, no, I'm really interested to hear what Cargill has to say, just because uh, I know you said you were you had a real interest in Max Martin. So this is kind of like this is your opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's uh, it that it's it's tough because the the talent behind everybody is, you know, it's it it's it's two geniuses in their apotheosis. You know, it's right at their beginnings. You know, it's where, you know, Max Martin comes out and comes out swinging and where Joseph Kahn comes out swinging at the same time. The director of Bye 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 had was a legend in the music video uh, world like he had made music videos for 20 years already and worked with everybody. Um, uh, yeah, he so made lift, His name is Wayne Isham. He did Living on a Prayer, he did Pour Some Sugar on Me, Dr. Feelgood. Black oh, he did. Janet Jackson, Enter Sandman, Enter Sandman. Jesus Christ. Wow. Yeah, no, no. Look at his list. And it's like, oh, my God, this guy, this guy did all of Bon Jovi's biggest stuff. Metallica's biggest stuff. Let Def Leopard's biggest stuff. Um, you know, uh, lots of great pop in there. Like he did a lot of great stuff. Um, and so watching him work would be interesting. But um, and, and the fact that there's so much going on, that that music video is all about them. It's a the music video on the song is a big fuck you to their former the guy who made them. And there's there's something to that. And I'm, I would be very curious to see how the conversation of how do we take this fuck you to our former boss and make it a love song. 
And so for that reason alone, I'm going to choose bye, 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 because I want to know what that conversation's like and how you do that. I would kill to see the Backstreet Back video being made because every single no, actually, you know, four of the five are absolutely killing it in that video. Nick in that stupid fucking mummy outfit. He's the, the, clearly the weak link of the of the five. But all the other four are just absolutely just giving it all out as the vampire and the Jekyll and Hyde. They, you know, it's so ridiculous, but it looks so cool at the same time. I love it. I absolutely love to see that video being made. Would you remember? All right, so um, there was a... An, uh, an award show or something where they did bye 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 and there were like puppets weren't there i'm not inventing this i there were actually there was like a like a like like weird giant puppets and stuff or like giant puppet hands or some wild thing i think i that remember that i think i it might be the same one or it might be a different one but I, I remember them like dancing with like tvs on their head or something like that oh That'd yeah be- i thought that was kind of cool um and i like that music video but yeah i mean like look here's what i know backstreet's back everybody um, one of the makeup artists on that was a makeup artist on Hellraiser. That's it. That's game fucking over. <laughs> like just like everything else aside, being able to sit and watch makeup artists and, and the makeup art on that is actually like mummy aside. Everybody else's stuff is pretty cool. Um, I, and the werewolf stuff is neat. He's a werewolf pimp, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how that one's aged, but they spent like five and a half hours putting that stuff on and like. I don't know, man. I'm 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 a fucking sucker for for monster movie makeup. So the fact that they did that, like you know, everything else aside, if it's going to come down to one thing that's going to make me make a decision one way or the other, it's got to be just to see um, the behind the scenes of that music video because there's so much fucking rich, cool shit, and also the sets from Casper. <laughs> Very critical piece of information. All right. So the th- the third question, the most important question, uh, not just in this podcast, but in the history of the world. William Shatner, uh, man, myth, legend, uh, problematic on Twitter, but also Captain Kirk. So he's, he's an old guy. Let's let's let it go. Um, he's he's you know, he's he's a musician in, in parentheticals of a type <laughs> done many cover songs in the in the Shatner way. One and only one of these songs can be Shatnerized, can be shat upon. Which is the one? Everybody. Interesting. I want to hear. Am I sexual? Yeah. Yeah. Now throw your hands up in the air. Ooh, 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 ooh. <laughs> <laughs> and you got to have that pause for him to take the the big drag of the cigarette. The <laughs> critical, critical. Am I sexual? <laughs> yeah. If you guys, have, those listening, if you've never seen William Shatner's Rocket Man, it oh, is, yeah, it is a best. thing of amazing beauty. Like almost everyone from Star Trek in that era put out an album. Um, like yeah. there's there's Leonard Nimoy doing um, uh, uh, songs for Lord of the Rings. Um, Bobo Baggins. Yeah, yeah, it's great. It's great stuff. Yeah. And they they did that later in Star Trek, too. I mean, Brent Spiner, who played Data, did like old gold eyes is back. Yep. Not a weird stuff. But um, <laughs> yeah, that's that's a that is a that is a good answer. Also, by the way, like, am I sexual since it happens more than once? Just like Rocket Man, you know, one time he's going to do it real creepy. And real dark, dark, like, am I sexual? There's another one where he'll he'll think he's being a girl and he'll do it like high up, like, am I sexual? You know, like, because that's Shatner. He's got a, he's got a, he's a, he's a storyteller, man. He put out uh, more than one album. He sure, he sure did. Uh, Todd, what do you think? Uh, well, I mean, this one is like a no brainer. <laughs> I'm looking through the bye, bye, bye lyrics. 
I, he could do something with this, but, like, Backstreet's Back is, like, I'm surprised he hasn't done it already. In a, in a legendary move in Song vs. Song, never been done before, I'm going to pose an alternate option. This is a, this is a very brief Song vs. Song option. The theoretical William Shatner version of Backstreet's Back, or is it the actual, literal, already exists, 2017 uh, Super Bowl commercial for the soft drink by wherein Christopher fucking Walken oh. does a read of Bye 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 and then turns and Justin Timberlake is right next to him and then they stare at the camera for way too long. I remember that. That's right. Christopher Bizarre. Walken saying, uh, that was a thing that happened. That's real. Walken is his own special brand of vodka and I love it. Um, I mean, <laughs> his... He's, I mean, he's in a Fat Boy Slim video for for fuck's sake. Of course, sake. of course. I mean, he's he's a legend. The fact that he has never done a reading that I've seen of Nancy Sinatra's "These Boots Are Made for Walking" uh, is, <laughs> is is something this reality desperately. Need. I just need these boots. Well, made for walking. I mean, that's what they'll do. I need that in my life, and I need that to be real. I have uh, some some secret knowledge of of walking on a particular project, and I will reveal it not on this podcast, but to you gents afterwards. <laughs> but let let us say this: it uh, it definitely fits the mythos. Anyway, all right. So those those are the three questions. Todd, do you have a couple of comments you want to throw in? I know this is a long episode, but we got this is a, this is a three person show. We're allowed yeah. to go a little long. What do you uh, What do you have from the okay. from the from the listeners? Okay. Before I start, let me say we got more votes for this than any episode we've ever gotten more than like the, our three lowest episodes total probably don't reach the number of votes we got for this. This is a, an intense one. That's the power of total request live. My friend, that is, that is what has caused this. And we all know it. All right. Morgan writes 2020 is bad enough without this blatant attempt (laughs) to rekindle the boy band wars. Have you, (laughs) have you no decency, sirs? No, oh. have you listened to this podcast? The fuck we don't. We sure don't. Yeah. Okay. Aussie Dragoon writes, it's pretty poetic that one group is telling us that they're back while the other is saying goodbye. It sounds like that the latter side is bowing out right from the get-go, so it looks like the Backstreet Boys will be taking this round. It's you a know, pretty there, good argument. Yeah. There, there's also a point to be made that Backstreet announced that they were back on their first album. Well, technically, it's their third album. But like the first two only got released in Europe and that on the second one is where they get Backstreet's back and they weren't going to release it in America because that doesn't make sense. Why would you introduce yourself as being back? And then they figured, well, it worked for Vanilla Ice, I guess. So they went with it anyway. All right. Celine Avagria writes, I think it was very progressive of the Backstreet Boys to show us Brian Luttrell's fursona in the video. Yeah, they were really way ahead of the curve on that. Rich Key writes, Everybody wins when everybody wins. Get it? Boo. <laughs> Boo. Mic drop. <laughs> All right. Morpheus writes, On YouTube, there are very few ska punk covers of Bye Bye Bye, and the ones that do exist kind of suck. Meanwhile, there are more ska punk covers of Everybody Backstreet's Back on YouTube, and they all absolutely slap. Ergo, Everybody Backstreet's Back is objectively the better song. Boy, they really, whoever listens, whoever listens to this podcast that made that comment, I think probably listens exactly enough that they know to bait me with ska and punk. <laughs> two, two garbage genres that I fucking love. And uh, one last one mixed. This is not like the wittiest thing, but I, I do wanted to include it because it's very reminiscent of comments from back in the day. 
Mixter M29 writes, I haven't heard neither of these songs in a while, but fuck NSYNC and fuck Justin Timberlake with his piss-colored ass hair. Like, wow, it's like I'm right there back in 2000 again. We all want to go back to 2000. Let's let's be let's be real. Those were those were golden times. The only thing just missing, just like Justin Timberlake's hair. <laughs> the only urine. The only thing missing is a bunch of gay slurs. Which I mean, we can leave that back in the 90s. But I'm good. Like, I'm real. I'm real good on that one. We talked about how much we hated, but we didn't really go into how hated they were. I don't even know if they knew how much hatred they were. But in my circle of the world, like like you would greet each other by saying "Backstreet Boys sucks." I hate Instinct. Instinct. Yes, of course. And uh, well, NSYNC definitely knew because they that the song pop is is kind of to their haters. <laughs> yeah, and I, that's why and that's why it fucking sucks. Oh, I hate that song. Never so much. write a song to your haters. That's exactly that's exactly why Taylor Swift has so many. Yeah, Sorry, yeah. Taylor Swift fans, please do not come for me again. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh, wait, who, who do you think won? Oh, it's a bloodbath. There's no way. There's no way this is not a bloodbath. In my opinion, Cargo, what do you think? Uh, I actually accidentally peeked at it last night, so uh, <laughs> you already know that would be cheating. All right, well, I will tell you guys for a total of 582 to 298. That's a, about a two-third split. The winner is everybody backstreets back. That is exactly where I thought this was going to go. I can't lie. I, did you did you think it was going to go any other way? I did. I actually thought Bye 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 was going to beat everybody. Uh, and then when I saw the numbers, I was like, oh, shit. I've, I, you know, do this 10 years ago. I think it would have gone the other way. Interesting. You th- so you think because of um, the, the disintegration of Justin Timberlake's, Timber, oh, Jesus, Justin Timberlake's career. Um, yeah. You think that's 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 the deciding factor. Yeah. The Backstreet Boys. Everyone loves the Backstreet Boys. Now, the Backstreet Boys had a, a hit song two years ago. I know. It's weird. It wasn't very good. It didn't sound like anything I wanted from the Backstreet Boys, but, you know, that's how much goodwill there is now. So, yeah, I'm not surprised. I mean, I am a little surprised. I didn't expect it to be like a two-thirds victory. Well, here's what I know. If uh, if Backstreet is doing that well, then next time they go on tour, they have to do the tour with Backstreet. <laughs> no the diggity. Street, the Blackstreet Boys tour. No diggity fucking. That's a song that slaps. Yes, it does. Um, so there you go. That's that's my. If this is what you do with your power, use it well, Blackstreet Boys. Raise up Blackstreet and do a Blackstreet Boys tour. Play on, playa. There it is. All right, um, Todd. What is what is the next episode going to be? What I decided is that we're going to do another movie episode. This time, we will be doing the theme from Shaft versus Superfly. I am very relieved <laughs> to hear that that is what we are doing. <laughs> That's I, uh, tough. I tell you what, song versus song, it's not that we don't have anything to say. It's just that I think the, the best thing that we can say is stuff that uh, will make you feel good. And uh, uh, I think I saw a, t- a tweet not too long ago that was saying that uh, you can... Um, it's a lot more subversive to um, raise up black joy than it is to uh, talk about black suffering. So, yeah, well, you know, with all the things going on, I wanted to get it like get it a little less white <laughs> in this podcast. So that's why we're doing Shaft and Superfly. I'm excited. I'm yeah. really fucking excited. I can't wait. This is going to be a great. Ex- this is like my excuse. I have a huge collection of black exploitation that I wanted to rewatch anyway. So I'm all the way the fuck over it. All right. Thank you so much for uh, showing up for our podcast, Cargill. 
Oh, thanks for having me, guys. That was a hell of a lot of fun. Yeah. When, when are, uh, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on the internet, on Twitter and Instagram, at Massaworm. It's M-A-S-S-A-W-Y-R-M. You can find my podcasts, the one that Todd has shown up on a couple of times, uh, Junk Food Cinema, uh, wherever you listen to your podcasts. And also, uh, I do a writing podcast with Dave Chen uh, called Write Along, which you can also find wherever you go. You can also find my books uh, uh, at wherever you buy your books. And uh, my movie, Sinister, is currently streaming on Netflix. So if you've never seen that, now's a good time to check that out. I, I highly recommend it. I had, um, I felt really excited that we were having you on Cargill because um, Todd and I have talked many times, like not to not to, to stroke your ego, that we fucking love Sinister. Oh yeah, uh-huh. absolutely. Didn't mention it, but yes, you can go do a search for what it, what I've written on Sinister on Twitter, and it's like nothing but praise. So I'm not pulling this out of my ass. Oh, yeah. thank you so much. I'm so glad you guys dug it. Yeah, and uh, as always, you can donate to our Patreon. That's Song versus Song on Patreon. We've gotten so many requests for it. So for our bonus episode this month, I am going to finally sit down and watch Little Dickie's show, Dave. And we're going to oh, talk no. about it. Oh, man. So many other things we could have done. Yes. And we're going to watch the Little Dickie show. Well, I'm sure that we will have things to say. Yep. I wonder if there'll be any dick jokes. Oh, geez. <laughs> Who could? Literally all the posters for it were a dick joke. His entire career is a dick joke. That's all it is. It's just a dick joke. It's, it's gotten pretty good reviews which I don't know what to make of that. But that's what we'll be doing this month. You can donate a <laughs> dollar. You can hear what we think about it. Or God forbid, if it turns out to be actually good and we like it, which, oh man, I don't know, I don't know what I'm going to do if that happens. Check me out at Shadow Todd or on the YouTubes. Check Danny out at Danny Ordinary. That's Danny with one N, Ordinary with also one N. Thank you guys so much. Mm-hmm.